This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 332, The Periodic Table of Abundance, Number 3, Liquidity and Cash Flow. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to this week's episode. You've caught us right in the middle of our mini-series on the periodic table of financial abundance. What we're doing is we're covering the core concepts and elements and tools and tactics that have all of them dramatic implications for your financial future. Last week, we covered the money team aspect of your financial life. Who's on your team is, honestly, it's crucial. And nobody should care more about your money than you do. In today's episode and in the following episodes, we're going to be diving deeper into the strategies, the skill sets, and the systems needed to be successful. Each one of these financial elements that we'll be discussing today's episode and in the following weeks should be discussed with your money team to make sure that you're on the right track to build that financially abundant future that this mini-series is all about. So let's dive into the first element for our episode today, liquidity. Now, liquidity refers to how easy it is to convert an asset into ready cash without affecting the price of the asset you're trying to sell. Of course, the most liquid asset of all is cash itself. Now, the more liquid an asset is, the easier it is and the more efficient it is to turn it back into cash. So less liquid assets are going to take more time or have higher costs associated with that conversion back into cash, money stuff. So cash is the medium between all transactions. In fact, it's one half of all transactions in the entire world. Let's say you need to buy a new refrigerator for a thousand bucks. Cash is easier than any other asset to get that refrigerator to keep your pizza cool. So let's say you had no cash, but instead you had some rare baseball cards valued at exactly 1000 bucks. I suppose you could find somebody in the world who would be willing to trade their refrigerator for your baseball cards. But think of how hard that would be. Think of how much simpler it would be to simply sell your baseball cards, turn them into cash, and buy the refrigerator. Cash makes every transaction more liquid, more fluid, and just easier to do. So let's say you own a small business and you've got a piece of land that you've owned for many years. The land itself is not being used for anything, so you're looking to convert it into cash so you can invest in a new business venture, a campaign you want to build under your business. So one way you could do this would be to sell the land to a developer who's looking to build some new housing developments or maybe a shopping mall or something, The developer would likely offer you a lump sum of money for the land, which you could then use to invest in your new business venture. Another option would be to lease the land to a tenant, let's say a farmer or a solar panel company, uh, who might want to pay you a regular fee to use the land. So this could give you a regular stream of income. We're going to get into cash flow later on in the episode. Rather than a lump sum payment, you'd get a cash flow in that situation. But in both cases, You need to work with a real estate agent or a lawyer to facilitate the lease or the sale of the land. So this means they'd come up with the terms and negotiate the sale and everything. Of course, they would 
not be doing that for free, so there would be a cost associated with converting this piece of land back into cash. Also, the market price of the land might be different. It might fluctuate if the market tanks, let's say, right before you sell, you're going to lose some of that cash for the land that you're hoping to, to sell and get some money for. Now, that's one way to think about liquidity. There's another thing to think about, another concept around liquidity through the lens of markets. So how stable, how transparent is the market you're dealing in? That's another way to look at liquidity. For example, the market of refrigerators in exchange for rare baseball cards is pretty thin. I'd say it's not that liquid. It's hard to find out exactly if you should offer your Hank Aaron baseball card for the latest refrigerator. It's hard to know, right? Would you have to toss in the latest pair of Nikes to make the trade even? I mean, there's so few people in this particular weird market of baseball cards for a refrigerator that it would be really hard to determine an accurate or transparent price. So this is why we use comparables in the real estate world. When you're about to buy a house, you'll make an offer to the seller based on several different properties in the area that recently sold and that are pretty similar to the one that you're wanting to buy. The stock market in the United States is one of the biggest exchanges in the world. Now, there's not much we can do necessarily on an individual level to improve your financial abundance for market liquidity, uh, except just to be cautious to delve too deeply into markets that have no market liquidity. In other words, look for ways to deal in markets that are transparent and that allow for assets to be bought and sold at stable prices. Another lens to look through liquidity is something called accounting liquidity. This is a big deal too. Accounting liquidity measures the ease that you have to meet your financial obligations with liquid cash available to you. So how easy is it for you to pay your bills in a pinch? If immediately all your debts came due, would you be able to come up with all the cash needed to pay off all your creditors, make everybody happy and satisfied, and still have money in the bank? Is everything you have in your portfolio, let's say, locked up in long-term commitments? and you're not able to really convert much of that to cash? Are you sitting on the razor's edge of liquidity? That's what accounting liquidity helps us figure out. So here's an easy way to find out. If you just took your current assets, all your current assets, and divided it by all your current liabilities, you'd come up with a percentage. This is something called the current ratio. So current, I like it because, again, it's reminding me of money and water. You know, the current of our, of our money, of our liquidity. So think about the current ratio and it'll help you understand exactly how well you're doing in liquidity. So what counts as an asset? This can be tricky, but I like to think about anything that could be converted to cash within about a month or two. So again, the current ratio is taking all your current liquid assets, anything that could be converted to cash within a month or two, divided by all your current liabilities, all your debts, all your bills. So maybe you could turn this idea in, into a game. Maybe you've got $100,000 in debt. And let's say you have $20,000 in liquid cash assets. That means right now you're 20% liquid. Your current ratio is 20%. So this is not just to cover your debts, but it might be also what you're trying to do in terms of investing. People sitting on more cash typically have more opportunities brought to them. So the more liquid you are, the more opportunities come your way. Clearly, some assets are going to be better suited to liquidity than others. Like I said, cash is most liquid. Follow that up with cash equivalents. That'd be things like money market accounts, money market funds, CDs, 
or cash value life insurance policies. Market securities like stocks and bonds are pretty liquid as you can get rid of them, sell them in a hurry if you needed to without too much cost or time. And also things like gold or other fungible collectibles, you know, fungible like, you know, usable collectibles are pretty liquid as well. So you can, you know, typically find a market price or spot price for gold or crypto and that sort of thing, most anywhere in the world. So gold would be considered a liquid asset in that case. Now, as I mentioned, cash value life insurance, aka bank on yourself type policies, those are considered liquid because it accumulates a liquid cash value over time, which can be accessed and used by you, the owner, um, while you're doing your business and while you're still alive. Uh, So there's no timed deposits with a whole life policy like CDs have, meaning there's no seasoning where you have to wait some specific number of months or years before you have a cash value available to you. Again, the companies, the insurance companies we work with at Lake Growth will allow you to access the money instantly within the first month or so after that policy is issued. And typically requesting the money out of the policy can be done in about five to seven business days. So you can always withdraw money out of the cash value. It's your money. You're simply withdrawing the money out is a simple act. You just take the cash out of the policy. But I believe there's something better than a cash withdrawal from these policies, and that's something known as the policy loan. Now, the cash value in these policies can be borrowed against or withdrawals can be made if you want to. You can use that as a source of funds uh, for any purpose you wish. Additionally, we don't want to forget this is life insurance. So if you were to pass away, God forbid, you know, the beneficiary would get a giant lump sum, a death benefit. That's a liquid source of funds as well. That'll help cover funeral expenses, outstanding debts, financial obligations, things like that. So I do need to say the liquidity of cash value life insurance can vary. It depends really on how the policy was engineered, what kind of policy it was. A lot of policies have restrictions on withdrawals or loans. I've even seen some where you can't take loans in the first several years. There might even be penalties for early withdrawals or loans if the policy was not designed properly. So for example, I'm familiar with some insurance companies, one in particular that makes you wait up to 10 years before you can borrow from the policy. That's just gross. I don't like it. So it's important to carefully review all the terms of your policies before you buy into them, or at least have a bank on yourself professional who understands all this to implement the plan to your liking before we hit go, before we put money in understand how liquid these features are within the policy as it's been designed. So I do want to mention that liquidity has its own sense of performance in your portfolio. Some people often like to rail against the cash part of their portfolio. They hate on it because they say it's wasted money. They're not getting a rate of return on it. I would disagree on that. There is a certain rate of return to liquidity. In fact, go back and listen to episode 248 with Mark Bashir's where he talks about the importance of being extremely liquid during bad times and also good times that'll come throughout his real estate journey that he mentions, but also your financial life. There's a rate of return, practically speaking, for being liquid, to sit on liquid money. So we've been describing liquidity in terms of the amount of money slushing around in your portfolio. And I just want to ask, you know, how liquid are you? Think about that. How liquid are your buckets? How big are your liquid buckets of money? Are you sitting on a razor edge or are you able to take advantage of opportunities when they come your way? There is plenty more to talk about in liquidity, but I got to move on. And the other element that I want to talk about today is cash flow. 
So the next financial element in the periodic table of abundance is cash flow. Now, when it comes to something as important as coffee, yeah, that's right, coffee, I need two things. I need the coffee to be stored safely. And then when ready, I need it to flow. Maybe your favorite drink is the same. Now, if I just poured 12 ounces of coffee just onto my countertop, it'd be spilling everywhere. It'd be a mess. It'd be totally unusable. I wouldn't enjoy it. So clearly, I need my coffee to be stored before I drink it. And when it's time to drink my coffee, if my coffee is locked up, if it's, let's say, frozen solid, I really can't enjoy it that way either. I need my coffee to flow. So when I want it to be stored, it needs to be stored. When I want it to flow, I need it to flow. I need a regular flow of coffee headed straight into my mouth to keep me going throughout the day. So one of the best feelings in the world, maybe you've got this too, but one of my favorite things in the world is when I go to a restaurant and the server is so on it, man. He's like attentively ready to refill my coffee mug anytime it gets bone dry. The server gets it. He's there. He's attentive. He wants me to have a regular flow of coffee constantly filling up that coffee cup. In fact, he doesn't just want me to store the coffee. He's helping me with a regular flow of coffee headed straight into my veins. So this is what I mean by cash flow, and it's the next financial element we're going to get into here. So question for you, what is the amount of net cash transferring into and out of your life? So that's what I mean when I say cash flow. Cash will flow in and out of your life. In fact, I meet folks pretty often who say that they're just like simply way stations for their money. <laughs> it just passes from one person, their boss, to another person, their kids, for example. So the key question is, is the money you're coming into your life greater than the money going out of your life? That's when you know you have positive net cash flow. So if you have an attentive server constantly pouring more coffee into your coffee cup, that's good. You're not desperately looking around for who's going to fill up your coffee. You know you have a regular stream to keep your coffee flowing or in the money case, have your bills paid where you could even build up storehouses of wealth. So that monthly cash flow is regulated by certain, I call them filters. The first one is going to be the tax filter. Now, taxes put a squeeze on your cash flow even before the money is in your pocket. The government is going to take some away from you. So one of the most effective things you can do to improve your cash flow is to limit or even eliminate your tax liability on the cash flow you're receiving. Now, different types of cash are taxed at different rates. For example, income from dividends are going to be taxed at a better rate than income from your W-2 day job. So we're going to talk more about the tax element in an upcoming episode in this mini-series, but just realize that there are other people sipping on your cup of coffee without you looking. So if you're not careful, it'll dramatically reduce your cash flow. Now, I mentioned there were several different filters on your cash flow. The, The first was taxes. The next is what we call the lifestyle regulator. So the more you're consuming from your cash flow to satisfy your lifestyle, the less you can really store for later. Now, of course, uh, I'm not at the restaurant to buy buy gallons of coffee here, but if I knew I was going to live at that restaurant forever, I'd be constantly looking for more cups, more places to store the coffee that my restaurant server is pouring for me so I could drink it later, especially if I knew that his coffee was not always guaranteed. So again, cash flow, income is not guaranteed forever. Income will stop, but expenses never stop as long as you live. 
cash flow can dry up. We know this. You can be fired. You know, you can see the investment dry up. So you must have somewhere for you to save all that extra net positive cash flow in various buckets. So back to the first element of liquidity, that's where having buckets of liquid accessible cash is going to be great if the cash flow should dry up from today. Now, when it comes to cash flow, there's really only two levers you can pull to improve your situation. You can either increase your income or you can reduce your expenses. All right, you can increase your income with earned income streams, setting up side gigs like driving Uber or Lyft, selling some items online, becoming an affiliate, starting a side hustle, maybe being a bookkeeper or a house cleaner or a VA assistant. What about tutoring students? Maybe you can even become an event planner for a couple of small businesses in your town. So many ways to increase your income without it being a huge burden. So we live in this abundant world if you know where to look for it. You could even begin renting out your own home, pool, or car, or toaster. (laughs) Really, anything you can think of can be rented out these days. Now, of course, there's passive income cash flow options as well. That can be all over the map from super stable to very risky. So you might start looking into rental properties, which offer, you know, candidly, kind of modest cash flows these days with mortgage rates rising, but they're still very stable. You could also look at short-term rentals like Airbnb that do bring oftentimes higher cash flow, but there's some more risk and, and would require more maintenance and more of your own attention. But the cash flow on those can be dramatic. Also, did you know you could get cash flow from ATM machines? Yeah, that's right. All those little fees that everyone pays when they use the wrong ATM across town, that money goes somewhere and actually can go right into your pocket. That's a great cash flow option. What about storage units? They're similarly great for cash flow. Obviously, there's risk with all these, so do your due diligence. But what about those? Those are great. What about commercial real estate or mobile home parks, syndication deals, all sorts of ways to increase your cash flow? That's what we're talking about here. Beyond real estate, there's, of course, dividend-paying stocks. They do just what they say. They pay a dividend. Typically, these stocks are going to be less volatile than your, oh, let's say your typical tech company or something like that. But it's important to remember why stocks are worth anything in the first place. It's not just a casino. There is some rational belief behind the stock market. The reason why stocks have a set stock price is because in an unmanipulated, unbubbled world, the stock price for a company is the net present value of all their future cash flows. What does that mean in English? It just means if you were to calculate the future dividends that company X would pay in today's dollars, uh, that would be the price of the stock you're considering today. So this means that you should really only consider investing in companies that have the potential to create cash flow for you someday. So dividends on stocks can fluctuate. But if you look at stocks over, let's say, a 10-year period and only invested in stocks that you know you might not need to use the money for for the next 10 years, you might look at some value in some dividend-paying stocks. Again, check with your risk tolerance for more information on that and do, do, do your due diligence. You might also look at things like royalty trusts. They buy the right to royalties or net profits on production uh, of sale of oil, gas, other natural resources. You could also do this with music or movies. They pass almost all of the profits out to their investors and royalty trusts are really attractive because they give you this potential for high yields compared to stocks or bonds. But again, they can be very risky um, because they're tied to things that aren't for sure. You know, 
oil, gas, etc., commodity prices, production levels, that sort of thing. Now, with all these fancy ways of increasing cash flow, there's a simpler way too. And one of the most overlooked options is to simply ask for a raise at your current job. And if they won't give you a better raise, go find a better job that's willing to pay you what you're worth. By the way, if you're looking for work, we are hiring at Lake Growth Financial Services, several positions. So reach out to us. You can connect with us by writing us at thanks at lakegrowth.com. And we'd be happy to connect with you and speak with you about your goals for employment and more. So again, that's thanks at lakegrowth.com. Of course, you could put money into a CD and just get a couple of uh, bucks of interest for a few years. CDs are currently popping up again. They're hitting 4 to 5% as of this recording. So you could generate your own cash flow from a CD. If you get, for example, if you get a CD and you put $100,000 in there, it might pay you four grand a year for a couple of years. Now, I've never been a huge fan of CDs as they tax you on your income. And of course, there's nothing guaranteed about the renewal rate of the CD. Sure, you're locked in for two or three years while, while the rates are lasting. But when it's time to renew that CD, who knows what the rates will be? So there's no guarantee of future income. Plus, I'm putting my money back into the hands of a banker, something I've never been a huge fan of. And I can't think about cash flow without mentioning annuities. Annuities have an interesting history. They might be one of the oldest forms of cash flow out there. Literally 2,300 years old. That's the oldest annuity I could find. Uh, we've done a number of episodes on annuities, but it's important to remember that annuities are specifically designed to generate an efficient cash flow for you. That's all they do. That's what they do a great job of. So you can have immediate cash flow from your annuity as soon as 30 days after you fund it, or you can put it into a deferred annuity and it'll generate income for you someday in the future. So I recommend both immediate and deferred income uh, annuities to certain clients, and I'd be happy to speak with you about this or any of the other options I've discussed on this episode today. If you want to hear more on annuities, listen to episode 81, 176, and 213. These are a great foundation uh, to help you dig deeper into how annuities work and how they can fit into your overall financial life. So I love annuities because they give you a contract of cash flow that lasts as long as you live. No worrying about renewal rates on a CD when you've got a lifetime income that you can't outlive. So it'd be like getting my coffee cup refilled every single day for the rest of my life. Sign me up for that, right? Now, on the other side of the lever, again, one way is to increase income. The other lever we can pull is to manage or reduce our expenses. So what are some ways we can reduce our expenses? Well, first of all, make sure you're using the same card for all your bills so you can track it all on one place. I also suggest you sync up your bill dates as much as possible. You know, this can be done by simply putting all your subscription services on the 1st and the 15th of the month, for example. On the other hand, if you're getting billed all at once, it might be hard on your budget. So you might want to spread them out over the month. Again, you just want to think about maybe doing two days. Again, the 1st and the 15th is great because it helps you keep track of all your subscriptions, canceling the ones you no longer use. Certainly stay on top of free trials, cancel them when they're done. Some subscription services will offer a free trial that converts to a paid subscription, so be aware of that. So when you sign up for a trial like this, put a reminder on your calendar for a day before the end date and cancel that sucker before your build if you decide not to go through with it and continue with the service. A lot of vendors and services are increasing their prices this year, so Keep a list of all these different subscriptions. Put them somewhere. Create a little spreadsheet if you need to. 
so businesses you subscribe to will typically email you, but don't don't rely on them. Instead, put that list of subscriptions somewhere where you can review it regularly. Maybe it's on the 1st and the 15th of every month, so you can check that bill before it jumps up without your notice. Next, if you're looking to cut back, make a list of all those subscriptions that I talked about earlier. Cut those things out. If you're done with you know, a streaming service after finishing your favorite uh, miniseries, you didn't find much else you were interested in, cut that service. You can always sign up again. They don't they don't lock you out for any period of time once you quit the service. Or perhaps you've gotten into a new relationship. Your new partner maybe is willing to let you use their account. So you go through your statements, list out any monthly or annual subscriptions, cancel the ones that are duplicates. Again, I'm just totally scratching the surface here on all the ways you can be using these elements of liquidity and cash flow. I just want you to be aware of all of them, put them together for yourself, create a matrix and improve on each of these. Let this episode be a little gentle nudge to help you try one thing to improve your cash flow. You know, a periodic table of financial abundance is never complete. You can always be working to improve it. You can always use it then even to help you become more resilient, no matter what the world throws at you. So again, today on this episode, we've talked about liquidity. We've talked about cash flow. And honestly, do you need anything else in your financial portfolio? Liquidity and cash flow certainly covers a lot. Everything else falls back on these two financial elements. Everything else that we'll talk about is dependent on the two functions in your money to store and to flow the money in your financial life. It's why I like to specialize in both of these elements as a certified financial planning professional and a bank on yourself professional. Bank on yourself type whole life policies are policies that are liquid and accessible for any reason. You can access the money without rules, regulations. It's your money. You can do whatever you want with the money at any time. The cash value in the bank on yourself designed life insurance policy is liquid. Just takes about a week or so to access the money through a withdrawal or even better, a policy loan. So that truly liquid lump sum can be used for any purpose. It can bring you security against emergencies. And it can bring you the thrill of taking advantage of opportunities when life provides an opportunity for you to take advantage of. But is bank on yourself just satisfying the liquidity element in our periodic table? Not at all. Most people don't really think about it, but it covers cash flow too. Dividends paid on a bank on yourself designed policy are a form of cash flow. In fact, it's an incredible form of cash flow. I should do a whole episode on how the dividends really beat out many other forms of income. Now, dividends are not guaranteed, but I like to work with insurance companies that have paid a dividend consecutively for at least 100 years straight. That's powerful cash flow, and it can be extremely valuable when your other sources of income are dried up. And if we really wanted to dig further into bank on yourself, which we'll do in following episodes, you'll see how it touches on the tax elements, estate planning, giving, and charity. In fact, it relates to your family finance. It relates really to the entire financial periodic table of abundance. It's really impacted by one tool, which is why I believe it's such a crucial piece to any modern portfolio. It's why I find it such a compelling tool in my own life and in our clients' lives. Similarly, annuities are a fundamental contract in the periodic table of financial abundance. Annuities are a straightforward, simple contract that can provide cash flow guaranteed for the rest of your life. The particular annuities we work with still remain liquid. 
These are different than the old-fashioned annuities where insurance companies would keep your liquidity, keep your lump sum, just hand you a check every month, but they'd take your money. I don't like those kind of annuities typically. Annuities we often recommend offer a consistent cash flow, but still give you liquid access to the lump sum you, you gave to the insurance company. Let's say you had an emergency or another opportunity arise. You'd want to be able to get access to that money if you needed to. But again, that's not, they're not cookie jars. I don't like to go grab money out of the annuity. That's what the life insurance policies and other sources of liquid money are for. But again, the driving purpose of an annuity is not liquid buckets of money. It's to generate a stream of uninterrupted, guaranteed lifetime income. I mean, doesn't that right there solve quite a bit of our other financial problems? Doesn't it make everything else much simpler to know that you have a floor on your income that it might even allow you to the rest of your financial portfolio to take on a bit more fun and even exciting risk? So building liquidity and cash flow into your life does not have to be complicated. Again, I've touched on quite a few tools, products, strategies today. But I just recommend you keep it simple. Try not to bloat your portfolio with too many products that overly complicate your life. Bank on yourself type whole life insurance coupled with annuities could really be the centerpiece of your entire financial life as they solve the problems of liquidity and cash flow exquisitely well. But there's so much more out there in the financial universe. So if you'd like to discuss these or other topics, go to notyouraveragefinancialpodcast.com and click on the button that says request a meeting. We'd be honored to review these topics and anything else you're dealing with in your financial life. So again, that's not your average financialpodcast.com. Click on request a meeting. It's 15 minutes. It's 15 minutes. In the agenda of the appointment, write the words liquidity and cash flow. And I'll know that you're talking about this episode and I'll know what you want to talk about. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think and live differently with your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join the financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.